Hello and welcome back to the Arnithology Normal Services Resumed. I'm Ben Hyten. And I'm Alex Pallardi. And I guess, first off, we should probably both apologise if the sound quality is a little bit off, a little bit echoey, because we're not in... Our usual spaces, yeah, we're in different places. This week, we watched the 2013 film The Last Stand, directed by Kim Ji-Woon, a South Korean director. Uh, This is Arnold's first leading man role since uh, coming back from being governor. So this is his comeback. So that's really what we're doing now. It is the comeback, right? There was a little short documentary I referred to a few times in certain yeah. episodes called The Comeback, when Arnie made a comeback to bodybuilding and won again, you know, retaining his awesomeness as, as one of the greatest bodybuilders of all time, if not the greatest bodybuilder. And I would say that although this isn't solidifying his position as the greatest action hero of all time. He certainly has been up there for most of his career. I'm not sure that this gives him that, but it's certainly a valiant attempt Well, at coming back. So it's fair to call it a comeback, right? Well, it, it just in, in industry terms, this was the project that he chose to make his first leading role statement to say, I'm back. I said I'll be back, and I'm back. I'm back. So let's unpack that over over the episode. Sure. Um, I want to introduce the setup of the film before we do the spoiler klaxon. And this is a, a very genuine spoiler klaxon this time, because I think this is a film that a lot of people, Arnie fans included, will not have seen. Yeah, they would have missed it. I really, really recommend that you do not listen to this episode. Unless you've seen this film. Yeah, this is a proper spoiler klaxon, this one. It's not like T2 or Predator, where everyone knows the beats, whether they've seen the film or not. This is really worth not having spoiled. So if you haven't seen it, it's available on Netflix. Go see it. Come back. See what we've got to say about it. If you want to know what the plot of the film is, before you decide, oh, do I even want to watch this film? Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger is a small town sheriff in a town called Summerton in Arizona. And on this particular weekend, this town's football team have made it to the state championship. So the whole town is leaving town to go and support their Perfect. American football Perfect team. setup. Arnold used to be an LA cop, so he's seen some real shit. Working in narcotics as well. Yeah. What's happening in Nevada is a, a super dangerous cartel sort of guy. He's compared to Pablo Escobar at one point is being transported by the FBI and his crew pull off a very elaborate heist and he escapes and he heads for the border. And Summerton is the last town before the border that he's going to jump, basically. Hence, the last stand. The last stand, yeah. So Arnie has to deputise some of his his, uh, town folk, tool them up in a way that they've never had to be prepared for before, and in a sort of grand old western high noon tradition, this, this, this sort of the line is drawn in the sand to say when he gets here, we're going to be the people that stop him. Not yeah, that's FBI, that's us. that's pretty involved plot, and I think that if you say any more, yeah. we're in danger of ruining it. I don't even argue that we might need like a mini klaxon before <laughs> that. <laughs> All right, right? 
Okay. You know? I don't know what a mini spoiler klaxon sounds like. Maybe it's like sound the spoiler mini klaxon. Something like that. Okay. So go go watch the film. Yeah. Arnie's great in it. It's a good action film. Away you go. And then listen to us. Yeah. Talk about it. Because it's what we have to say about it's going to be epic. Well. So I, I think you, I know you saw this film before I did. Yes. Uh, not long after it came out. Did you see it on a plane or something coming back from America? That, how do you know? You know that more than me. This is yet again another case of Ben Ben's memory of my life being better than my own. Yes, that's indeed true. That's exactly when I saw it. So I think I was going through a pretty rough patch in my life and uh, going through a breakup and I needed something to cheer me up and I rented this just after it first came out. That was when Blockbuster Video still existed. Do you remember them? I saw one recently, completely empty. Oh, okay. Right, fine. But still surprised to see it yeah. there. I kind of want to like live in it, turn it into a kind of like a mini cinema, right? Just turn it into a lounge that people can come to, right? Really exclusive little mini cinema that you pay like 30 quid a ticket to just sit around, have beers, food, and you just have showings of screenings. It's a great idea, right? What about for people that are too busy? Could they come by and maybe give you some money and borrow a film and take it home for a couple of nights and watch it? You mean rent DVDs? That's amazing kind of. idea, man. And you, is... could, you could stock everything from the big blockbusters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, down to, you know, uh, smaller videos. Like cult classics and even straight yeah. to DVD stuff, right? Yeah. I can't believe no one's thought of that before. We put it out there, someone's going to steal that idea. So yeah, I saw this when it first came out. I sat down to watch it a couple of nights ago, and I'm not going to say that I didn't remember anything about the film, but I think most of what I remembered about the film was in the trailer. And there were large yeah. sections of this where I thought, I have no recollection of this whatsoever. It's not the film I remembered it being at all. Did you think, oh, I might rent that film? And you and what happened was, is you just watched the trailer and then fell asleep. Just made up the rest. Yeah. Um, no, like I say, I think I was you don't remember in, it. Yeah. in a bad emotional state. Yeah, you don't remember it. Possibly self-medicating in some way. So come on, man, enough of the suspense. As you might know, Ben and I don't talk about how we feel about the film before we meet to do this recording. And so I don't really know how it landed with you. Sound the spoiler collection. It's great. Ah, oh, yes. I was yes. so thoroughly satisfied. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. So satisfied. I, I don't know why. I had a recollection and a sort of emotional memory of it being a really good setup. Yeah. And a really disappointing ending. And I agree with the first part. The payoff for this film's great. I would struggle to say that there's very little about it that I didn't enjoy or admire. Because some of the, the choices that will seem very, very insignificant actually separate it out from what this film could have been, which would have been the, the quality of a directed DVD or a Jason Statham from this period. And it isn't. I think it's much better than that. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing the detail of what exactly you're referring to there. My feeling, right off the bat, I know sometimes we struggle to get around to talking about Arnie. 
this film is all about Arnie. This is a this is a, for me this is a true comeback because it really is an Arnie film and it's the kind of Arnie film that he should be doing at his age and not this kind of stretching to say I'm too old for this shit and any of that. He's just he's old. Hmm. It's written in properly into the script. The character's actually not this trying to be a, a superhero doing these feats of athleticism that you could you can't believe from a guy his age. Uh, it fits. Everything fits, and it's nice. It's nice, and it's Arnie rebranding himself essentially. And yet, at the same time, what I found myself writing down was, "This is the Arnie that I love. This is the Arnie that I've been missing for the last few films." It's the Arnie that I fell in love with in the first original films. It's the 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 same kind of charm and and naturalness that James Cameron manages to get out of him in things like True Lies. Yeah, uh, we're seeing again, once again, in a movie, and I don't I don't think I've seen it since True Lies, really, in small moments in other films, but yeah. not not sustained throughout the whole piece, right? I think what you're saying about uh, playing age appropriate, yeah, um, is this film wasn't originally an Arnie film. It was interesting. It was set up to be a Liam Neeson film. Oh wow! And Liam Neeson has become an action star in his fifties or yeah. even sixties. Yeah. And I think that works perfectly because that's what we were talking about at the end of the nineties. The transition that Bruce Willis was making. Yeah. This is actually very similar in setup to a Bruce Willis movie called Hostage, which is about. An LA hostage negotiator who ends up in a small I've seen town. it, yeah. Yeah, it's a great film, Hostage. Yeah, and this is this is almost exactly the same setup, but tailored to Arnie's love of being a cowboy. I mean, he yeah. almost actually gets to play Yeah, he's the sheriff and it's they turn it into a ghost town. It's just it's brilliant. But it's not you don't feel like it's contrived. The the, the story, the plot, the setup's kind of believable. Um it has in it some fantastic set pieces, some fantastic stunts as well. Which the the add to it's one of one of the first things I thought about when you said it it could have been a, a sort of direct to DVD type film, yeah. and I think that those set pieces are part of the reason why it's not because they're well done, with one exception. Oh, go on. The fight at the end between him disagree and go on the bridge. Oh, disagree. But let's get to that. We will get to that. <laughs> I mean. What I like about the first half of this film is it's setting up two very different strands. We've talked in the past about um, a, a tonal dissonance in a movie. Uh, Eraser is a perfect example of that, uh, where these these madcap comedy elements come in out of nowhere and they don't fit what should be a tough action movie. Yeah, This is setting up two different things simultaneously in the first half. And on the, on the Jeopardy side with the um, Eduardo Noriega's character... Yeah. It's a very muscular action film. It's about cars and tech and yeah. Kevlar and searchlights. Guns. And, and he's... Lots of guns. So proficient. Their crew are so skilled. So you've got this very muscular action film that's being set up from the antagonist side and how ruthless they are as well. They're quite happily kill cops, kill feds, point blank, just yeah, to make a they're, point. They're, they're military. They're, they're like... And I loved it. The cartel guys. Yeah, I mean, my note was, I love how smart and organized the criminals are in this. Like, they're not just stupid criminals. No. And it really raises the stakes. You know? Because then, yeah. Yeah. On Arnie's side, when you're introduced to his characters and Luis Guzman and Johnny Knoxville and all of those guys, they're not ready. 
it's very light-hearted. It's yeah. almost a comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But almost. Almost. And again, they get the tone right, which makes it, it raises the quality of the film because they're fun. They're having fun because they're in a town where there's nothing to do. Yeah. And so they can afford to be that way. And so the stakes are really high. What it's doing is it's saying, God, you guys really aren't ready. You're jokers. You're joker. You're a joker police force that has drive still. You know, they're not, they're not idiots. Um, they have experience and drive and they want to do well. Like, you know, Jamie Alexander's character is great. And she is. Uh, I really like her in this, actually, more so. I than like her in everything. Other yeah. 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 Uh, she's touch and go in Blind Spot. That was her major TV role recently. I loved her in Thor, though. Yeah, she's awesome. A Lady Sif, right? That's her. Yeah. She's one of Thor's entourage. What it's the, the re, making the criminals really kind of on their game. Like they're not idiots. You don't you, t- you take these guys seriously. Um, they make the FBI and SWAT team and and local police who are trying to stop them on their way to Somerton. They make them just look completely stupid, totally unprepared. So it's like, Jesus, how is this little misfit band of sheriff and his deputies? How are they going to do it? Like how Perfect. are they going to? So yeah. yeah, so you've got you, you're absolutely right. The stakes are there, and as an audience member, the whole setup is leading to one moment, is when these two films collide. When this crew yeah. Yeah. and this band of misfits, you're right, yeah. clash. And the only things that make it believable that yeah. they have a chance is Arnie isn't in this town bored. He's chosen to be there because he saw too much bad stuff in his previous career. Yeah. We know that he's Arnold Schwarzenegger, so, so he, he looks... He actually comes from that world that we're seeing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's very, he's physically formidable and you understand very quickly, you know, it's a trope. Yeah, really. His past. That's the other thing is some of the comedy that you says that really works, that sets the tone right, that could be off, but it isn't. It's speaking to exactly what you're referring to. There's this guy, the schmuck, whose car he uses later on, who's, who parked yeah, his yeah. car in the fire zone. Yeah. And he's being, he's being a, he's being a butthole, really. He's just sort of being the kind of rich man about town saying take care of my car sheriff you know he speaks down to the sheriff and Arnie just rides it out ray his character ray owens great yeah we're back to the classic american names without any explanation we are which is odd we'll come back to that yeah, yeah but it's a feature of Arnie movies and i'm yeah, glad yeah. that it's back it's great it's you know why not and he he makes a comment about the sheriff because he says hey look you're not dressed in you know, your normal sheriff gear, what's what's up? He said, it's my day off. Um, and he looks down at his shoes and he says, are you going boating? Because he's wearing well, boat shoes, whatever they're called. You know, those loafers, I guess. And the and the guy, the schmuck guy, he, he says, I think he pats him on the shoulder and says something. Yeah, you'll blend right in or something yeah, like yeah. that. And it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's saying really early on to that, what you're just saying is that this guy doesn't fit here. And yeah. it's nice. It's a really nice, neat way of saying that. And Arnie's response is, yeah, but I'm here, right? You know, and, and I'm here anyway. And he's, he's do- chosen a quiet life. He does and- fit there. That's the th- funny thing is that it really works. I really bought that Arnie is the sheriff of this town and he could sure. be in a way that I didn't buy um, with something like Raw Deal. You know, I didn't buy that Arnie would actually be in that role as a cop. In, you know, The other thing they've got on their side is Johnny Knoxville's Gun Museum. Yeah, it's brilliant. Which is set up right at the beginning where a couple of deputies who are 
um, getting their excitement quotient for the week. I've yeah. just gone to hang out with Johnny Knoxville and shoot some guns. Big guns. Big guns. Going back to Chekhov's gun, you establish, yeah, that's super huge. It looks like a three fifty seven Magnum, but twice as big. Yeah, I've got no idea how large it is. I mean, when, when the little guy holds it, right, the little... It, breaks, it shoots it and breaks his nose. <laughs> yeah, the recoil breaks his nose. Uh, but then when Arnie holds it, it's like, okay... Give me that monster. Yeah. yeah, that's what he calls it, it's lush. And that's it, that's the thing, is there's lots of lines in this that just, they feel pure Schwarzenegger. They feel like it's him rebranding himself, you know, or someone's writing for him really well. Because the lines just come naturally and it's endearing and charming and it's believable. There are very few what I would call cheesy quips in this. Yeah. The, but if they're there, they work. So they're not cheesy. I wonder if this is why I was a little bit cool on the film in my recollection of it. Because there are a couple of lines in the film that in the, concept, in the context of the film work fine. Like when he ends up in the diner, I think he gets propelled through the window or something. And the, the guys have decided to stay in town and stay in the diner because he's like, yeah, <laughs> what does he amazing. say? Um, <laughs> he, he runs in and says, and urges like, you've got to get leave. out of here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got to go. And this guy it's says, too dangerous, uh, whatever. You're talking to a 72 year old man with high cholesterol that just ordered a bacon and cheese omelet. I look like I'm afraid of death. That's <laughs> great. So those guys are hanging out. And then out the other the guy, he looks at the other guy almost like, what about you? And he's like, don't look at me. I ordered the same thing. Yeah, I remember what he's having. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Arnie gets banged up. He ends up in the diner. And these people sort of peer over the counter. Yeah. How are you, Sheriff? And he just sits up into shot and goes, I'm old. Yeah, yeah. Now, in the context of the film, it's fine. Yeah, it works. But pulled out of context and put in a trailer, it felt like, oh, we're doing that gag again. Yeah. Really? Like yeah. Las Vegas? And, and we're know, seeing it everywhere, right? Around this era. And even now, still, we're still suffering the Taken franchise and all this kind of thing. But it seems as though every older actor, they're being recommended by their agents. Yeah, here's the thing, right? You'd go, you'd go do a, a sort of father hero type action film. It helps if you're looking after some kind of vulnerable girl as well. doesn't matter if she's related to you or not. Uh, you know, this kind of older man, younger woman thing is happening a lot and it must be a, a formula that they've worked out is is selling too many actually pierce brosnan has done yeah, some pierce brosnan well. costner's doing some yeah um, and they're, they're fine you know they they, they denzel did one which i was surprised about but i really like it actually i think it's quite good which the one with the, the girl from kick house yeah yeah the equalizer yeah i think it works yeah, it was okay probably just because it's denzel and he's the greatest actor of all time period so when the two worlds do collide, this is one of the things I was saying about uh, the, the choices that the film makes. These deputies that are massively out of their depth take on some obvious criminals who've killed Harry Dean Stanton, who is in this movie, by the way. And they're done for. Like one of the sheriffs is just shot to bits. The yeah. other, not sheriff, one of the deputies. And uh, Jamie Alexander um, is, is done for. She is about to die. We know that he's on the way. He arrives just in the nick of time. Arnold plows this guy down in an SUV, leans out the window with a shotgun and shoots a couple of guys, right? Yeah. Now, as a comeback moment, watching it this time, having watched all of the films that we've done in sequence, that arrival and that at the ambush, that is the single most badass thing he has done since Eraser. 
Yeah, there's a couple of badass moments in Eraser. Um, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But, but that's they don't still... work because the film's flawed fundamentally for whatever the reasons we, we came across before. Yeah, yeah. But but they yeah. work in this. I believe him as a This badass. is a better film, but I'm saying yeah. there are some badass moments in Eraser. Now, that's 17 years before this film. The scene following that, which is where the wounded deputy and Jamie Alexander in the back, and he's driving them away, he's rescued them, he's burning rubber. Yeah. He realises, before Jamie Alexander does, that the young deputy is going to die. And the look of realisation on his face, I think that is his single best moment that we've seen since True Lies. And I'm going to go even further. When you said that True Lies was on his last great film, I hesitated, right? And the reason I did was because I knew it wasn't his last great performance, albeit moments, even if we don't take his performance holistically in any one film, that I had seen, I know I had seen in Last Stand, Escape Plan and Sabotage, moments that for me put Arnie firmly in the place of a good actor. I don't care what anybody thinks, they might find him ridiculous, whatever, that's personal aesthetic. To argue now that Arnie is without talent as an actor means that you haven't really looked at his career or his work because he certainly has moments where he demonstrates that. Um, Even in older films, Junior is... Not Junior, excuse me, Twins, sorry, is a prime example of that. And even The Terminator. So we we know that he has this he has an ability if directed right if cast right or whatever but and that's fair to say of any actor there's tons of very excellent actors Oscar winners that have done really terrible work of course yeah for me yes that moment that you said but it's actually it's a scene where soon very soon after that Jamie Alexander's talking about how how shook, shook up she was by that firefight yeah and she's saying Sheriff, I've got to be honest. I'm really scared. I don't know what she says. What does she say? She she says, is it, is it normal to be scared? Yeah, I love what he says. You know, that's what I'm going on to do. But it's yeah. it's his delivery as well. Yeah. And and she's setting him up really well. So that scene, you know, like the, the minute it starts, it's like, right, this is a chance, right, for a good scene. Because she's, she's nailing it, as she does, because she's just, she's an excellent actress. And she's believable and all that. And it's like if Arnie doesn't play well off of the off of this woman, then something's wrong, right? He he really needs help as an actor, and he nails it. Yeah, and he's reassuring her, but he's also he's cluing us into he must have really got into some scrapes in his earlier career, and that's yeah. why he's here. It's it's very economic yeah. exposition and character. Agreed. Work. And those two flawless. scenes, yeah. those two scenes. Yeah. I think Jamie Alexander is, is essential to this film's success, actually. Yeah, I mean, she's, because she's she's, she's the emotional surrogate. Yeah, but for Arnold, I think the reason that I'm singling out these moments is because, regardless of the quality or the individual moments of things like Terminator Three, even the Sixth Day to to an extent, and the Expendables movies, I don't think we've seen him this engaged and engaging in a movie for nearly 20 years at this point. Well put, man. Well put. Thanks. In fairness, I guess, to maybe the more critically minded of our listeners, Jamie Alexander's role does sort of transform towards the end into, well, a really kind of badass sniper at one point. It's quite cool at the end, what she does. And I like it. She does become a bit of a damsel in distress. But her lines in that last scene 
are a bit uninventive, I'll say. And again, appealing to the more critically minded. She, her role becomes nothing more really at that point than just shouting out the names of her colleagues that get hurt. So yeah. someone gets hurt and she just shouts out, Ray! And, yeah. you know, and that's it. It's like, oh no! And fine. But because, but again, she is the emotional part of the team and we kind of need her because the other guys are trying to be badass dudes, you know. And, and so fine. I, I forgive it because so much else is working. Um, just to go over those lines in that scene, she's admitting how really terrified she is. And he admits, I'm probably more afraid than you. And she how can says, that be? How can that be? Yeah. Go on, you want to do it? Because I've seen enough blood and death. I know what's coming. It's great. And, and there's that nice push in on him yeah, as well. Yeah. And he's almost doing the glare. You know, he is. The... He is. And we get a glare really early on, actually, when he clocks. What's the guy's name? He's from Fargo. Peter Stormer. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I just love seeing him in anything, right? It, and he's he's in this as one of the main bad guys. Arnie clocks them in the diner like there's something up with that guy, you know, and, and his colleague. And... <laughs> I love yeah. when he just turns around and goes, yeah. howdy, fellas. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and again, so the thing is, is that there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing forced in the way that we might have seen in Cactus Jack, where it's like, Jesus, dude, we can't buy you as a cowboy. Yeah. yeah and it's yeah. like, but we can now. And I don't know whether it's just that we've seen Arnie on screen for, you know, what is it, 30 years of... Of, of screen screen time least, and we, yeah. we've got used to it or he's found a he's found his niche it must be a mix of both because there is none of there isn't a trace of that fish out of water feeling yeah. that we get from earlier movies with Arnie and I think that that was both true of his acting back then and also people's perception of him yeah because it was unusual to see a foreign action star taking the limelight, being the major role in a movie. What we're seeing now is Arnie in his most comfortable type of role. And I'm I'm really excited about um, following up this kind of comeback in the next few movies to see where he, he makes missteps in rebranding himself and making a comeback, but also um, capitalising on the success of what he's found in this role. Well... Yeah, it's it's a bit of a shame that the film wasn't more successful um, because I think if it had made more money, it would have spurred him on to say, this is the kind of film I should be doing. But it really didn't do very well at all um, mm. until it reached DVD and then it, it made a bit more money back. Do you think that has anything to do with Louise Guzman? Absolutely not. If anything, he's not in the film enough. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, I'm glad you brought him up because I was just going to say... The setup for the film and having Arnold at the centerpiece of it is not enough. You have to have some other elements there. The supporting cast of this film is pretty fantastic. Agreed. So we've, we've mentioned Luis Guzman, we've got Peter Stormare. Johnny Knoxville actually works fine in this because yeah. he's yeah. playing just a couple of degrees off of what his jackass persona is, really. Yeah, and I'll say to anyone, I am, I'll go on the record and admit I am not a jackass fan in any way. Uh-huh. Um, and I know that you ha- you do yourself, Ben. You have a tolerance for it. Um, oh, well, where- I like it. Yeah, yeah I whereas like I, I don't at all. I, I, I don't. So as speaking as somebody from that place, I'm very happy with Johnny Knoxville in this movie. He works just fine. And so if don't be turned off by him is what I'm trying to argue. Um, they don't really 
make much of the the fact that he is the guy from Jackass. One shot, one scene where he, he climbs a pole and does yeah. some stunt. And, and that's what it is. That's the only time where they're kind of referencing the fact that this is a guy who does this stupid shit, stupid stunts, you know, that, that may hurt him or be very dangerous. Yeah, um, he's just playing a, a nutter. Yeah, and he's not so much in this. He's playing just enough that it's actually, you can believe that they would trust him to be part of their last stand, last stand crew. And he really he pulls it off. He's essential because... He's got an arsenal. Yeah, an arsenal. full of yeah. armaments, yeah. So they deputise him for that reason. Yeah. Forrest Whitaker. I was just going to yeah. say, yeah, Forrest Whitaker. Now, your mileage with Forrest Whitaker depends on how you like him in other films. True. Because here he's doing the Forrest Whitaker thing. It's almost yeah. exactly the same thing that he did in Phone Booth. Yeah. Um, I like Forrest Whitaker. I think he's an interesting presence in most things. Yes. And although he doesn't do anything exceptional in this... He doesn't. I think he's, he's absolutely fine. Fine is the word. He's fine. He brings a level of gravitas and respectability to the to, to that role, I think. Yeah. Um, I almost felt at times that it was a bit... It was weak, given what I expect from him. Because I like him so much my standards for him are higher. The criticism that I had actually doesn't come from the way he played it as much as you talk about these two films being set up and then they collide, but there's actually a little bit of overlap, uh, especially the moments where Forrest Whitaker's actually trying to contact the small town sheriff to say, look, this shitstorm's coming your way. Yeah. And that, that sheriff being Arnie. In those interactions... Arnie really works. I love the fact that he just hangs up on him. Twice. (laughs) Twice. And his character stands firm in the presence of those um, films colliding. Because that's what's happening in those moments. They're small collisions. It's this world coming into this world. But I have to say, in both those phone calls, I don't buy Forrest Whitaker's character. It's almost like his character crumbles in the presence of Arnie's awesome badassness. And the bit that... it's It's a tiny note, right? It's not... I'm not faulting the film really because it kind of carries on working but Frost Whitaker's reaction to Arnie saying you know the shit's already here basically we've got his his team are here they're building a bridge across the canyon they're doing Frost Whitaker really patronizes him and like doesn't believe a word he says until he kind of looks into Arnie's background and finds out what's happened and that happens way too late for my money and I just it would be a small adjustment I would want to make is that it doesn't add anything to the film the way it currently stands that Forrest Whitaker is judging Arnie and treating him like a small town sheriff he's got no reason to actually disbelieve him that he would be making it up or whatever because Arnie's sincere and so that's it doesn't quite work those scenes because Forrest Whitaker is actually a bit out of character because he's sincere with everybody else in his team and 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 the way that he's pursuing this criminal I, can't, I don't see why he wouldn't give Arnie the same kind of respect and sincerity. Well, uh, my thought was, as soon as you hear that voice at the end of the line, you're expecting some small-town Arizona sheriff, and you hear this, yeah. you know, really bassy Austrian... He's got a muscular voice. You know? Yeah, yeah. You, I know it sounds like a stupid no, thing no, to say, but... No, it doesn't. It's fit. Straight away, I would have gone, who the hell am I talking to here? Get me a file on this sheriff. Yeah, and that, exactly. That's exactly my point. And so the two, there are two conversations where he adopts the exact same attitude towards him, and it doesn't it doesn't make sense for a hotshot FBI task force leader to not actually say, "God, that guy sounded sincere, genuine, and scared." 
and one of his deputies is dead. If I'm going to play devil's advocate, yeah, he has just lost his most high-profile prisoner, and he's probably going to lose his job if he doesn't get him back. So there's probably an element there of I don't want this other guy bringing my man in because that's going to make me look even worse. I want to bring my man in. Yeah, okay. That's good. It's good to say that, but it's not It's not explicit. You're right. That is playing devil's advocate and it's a way round. The last sort of person in the cast I want to mention is Eduardo Noriega, who's our antagonist. I think he's great. I think he's really good. Most famous for, he did a film with um, Guillermo del Toro called The Devil's Backbone, which is fantastic and he's fantastic in it. But probably most famous for playing the Tom Cruise part in the original version of Vanilla Sky, Abre Los Ojos. <laughs> so you've got this cast, you've got this setup, you've got your leading man. What else do you need, Alex? Uh, you need a great director. Oh, yeah. And you said this film is all about Arnie, and I think that's not an incorrect statement, but so much of what works about this film is Kim Ji-woon. His visual style mm. um, and the panache that he brings. I mean, there are some amazing shots in this that are really, just really. stunning. Like yeah. in the breakout sequence, uh, Eduardo Noriega and all his crew ziplining from one building to another in Las yeah. Vegas. Fantastic. Yeah. The camera just so perfectly glides with them yeah. down the front of the building that they are ziplining to for the arrival of the FBI task force coming down the street to turn up yeah. at the original building. And it's all one shot. It's not showing yeah, yeah, off. Yeah. It's not showing off, no. The camera work is actually quite seamless and draws you into what's happening on screen in a scene-appropriate way, if that makes yeah. sense. So it's not just, I'm going to do this fancy camera work because it looks cool. It's saying, I'm going to make seamless shot decisions that draw you into the action in a way that doesn't make you think, oh, look at that shot, like you can. There's so much detail and care being given to the way it's shot to draw you into the scene appropriately. Even things like the POV shot of the gun, like the first person... Uh, the um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I keep forgetting the actor's name, sorry. Peter Stormare. Peter Stormare, yeah. And he's trying to shoot Arnie. And you've got this POV shot of the gun. And it's like, if you're not paying attention, you just take it for granted that... Yeah. We're seeing it from his point of view, but the decision to do that kind of thing, as opposed to over-shoulder shots or whatever, it's it, it all makes sense in terms of bringing you in or out of the action as is necessary. Um, and I really, I really liked it. I felt, I felt like it was seamless in terms of how it was shot. It was excellent. When you're with Eduardo Noriega's character and he's got that supercar, yeah, you know, the car is is to this film what the gun in Eraser was. You know, yeah, they even call it's, it the Batmobile at one point. Yeah. yeah burning across the country at 200 miles an hour and in those sequences and the escape sequence that we talked about the camera works very slick and everything glides and it's beautiful like and then the car. When things yeah. and then when things get a little bit more scrappy in the action sequences the camera works more frenetic and yeah. and jumbled and it's it, you're absolutely right like the decision making that's going on there is is perfect without pulling you out of the film mm. Kim Ji-won, I just want to mention a couple of his other films because the, the, the film that's most similar to this is a Korean film he made called The Good, The Bad and The Weird, <laughs> which is a, a loose remake of The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. So he's um, as much of a Western fan as Arnie might be. Yeah, for, sh yeah, yeah. for sure. He's also done a couple of horror films, um, certainly psychological thrillers that are incredibly dark 
up there with anything in uh, Park Chan-wook's uh, Vengeance trilogy, Old Boy, Lady Vengeance, those movies. Uh, he did a film called I Saw the Devil mm -hmm. that is one of the bleakest, most difficult things you could ever see. It's absolutely fantastic, though. Mm. Um, and I just think he has such a gift for tone. He just, he just absolutely nails it. And is an incredibly proficient technical filmmaker. Mm. Um, there's one shot in this film that I would quite happily hang on my wall, which is um, when the car is burning through the desert at night. Yeah. And the awesome. search helicopter's behind it with a spotlight on it. Yeah. And it's just, all it's picking up is the dust. It's a beautiful shot as you're it moving is. at the same speed as the car. Yeah, it's proper art, isn't it? Indeed. And all of the car action is really slick and dynamic, but it doesn't, crucially, lose its grip on reality. It doesn't yeah. turn into a Fast and Furious movie or Wanted yeah. or something like yeah. that, where you're looking at or going... Or the later diehards, we've talked about that. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, don't, you don't call bullshit at any point. You don't go... Uh, I'm checking out now because that's no. not possible. I mean, it's the, grounded. There are so many, like you said, there are so many grounded but on the edge of bullshit scenes yeah. in this that you think they're awesome. In this, that MythBusters devoted an entire episode to testing things like: can you flip a car, right, like a big SUV, by driving? In, in reverse, in front of it, as this oh, the, as the, the supercar does. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the sports car's got an, a nose that dips down very close to the road at the front. So it's a wedge, essentially, right? And can you drive under the wheel on one edge of a big SUV using the sports car to flip it? And you can't, right? You need to modify the car to do it, right? Don't That's, tell me well, that. it's the truth. The myth has been busted. I don't care. But, but yeah, it seems believable. You don't think... Oh yeah, right. It's just the it all the fit the physics. You just sort of say, yeah, okay. Um, can you uh, t get a massive uh, lorry or, or truck in in American uh, and put a mass like a snowplow? It it doesn't even look like a snowplow. It's like some kind of huge yeah, yeah. wedge that they've constructed out of metal um, to just plow out the way um, cars like. Surely Please. you can. Absolutely you can. Yeah. And and to to better effect than they actually show in the movie. They wouldn't have even needed to, because in that scene, Noriega's uh, character's team, they they come along in SUVs before that plough comes to move the cars out of the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they just assassinate all the police, yeah. all the policemen. That's kind of cool as well. All the little smart tricks that the team use to at night, drive along without lights and then turn the lights on at, at choice moments to have the element of surprise. Uh, you know, driving like in, in single file so that, you know, their profile is small and then coming out on a sort of wider uh, side-by-side formation to then attack them head on with like this wide spray of bullets. It's fantastic. Like some of those moments belong in... A much more successful action movie. It's the kind of set set pieces I would have expected to see in a film like Heat or yeah, yeah. Uh, a film that was taking itself more seriously, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think it's that, like I said at the beginning, it's it's the skill and um, expertise that was brought to those set pieces in this movie that sets it apart from a movie of its kind that may have gone straight to DVD. Yeah, and I and I think making. His crew, ruthless killers, is a crucial part of that. Agreed. Yeah, it's and, actually and having yeah. a death like a body count on Arnie's team as well. Very early on. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jerry. They, they kill the, 
they killed Jerry. Yeah, they killed Jerry. So you you mentioned set pieces. We finally, Peter Stormare and his men descend on Somerton and they square off against the tooled up, as prepared as they're going to be, Sheriff and his deputies. That entire standoff that starts with Peter Stormare's men rolling into town, they take out Luis Guzman, Jamie Alexander starts sniping them, and then Arnie and the Vickers gun and Johnny Knoxville arrive in the school bus all the way through to the point where, spoiler, Peter Stormare gets killed. Oh, it's awesome. That whole sequence is 15, 20 minutes. I, I think that's easily his best action scene since True Lies. Yeah, without a doubt. And again, played age appropriate as well. Not a single moment. I was kind of concerned. I was like, are we going to get a moment where he does something that you, you can't quite believe? And the only thing that comes close to it that still works is that instead of having these kind, because there are two sort of quite badass bad guys that prove difficult to kill on Peter yeah. Stormare's team. Uh, one of them's on on the roof, actually giving Jamie Alexander problems, and it comes very close to killing her. Actually, Arnie legs it up to that roof. Amazing! And totally amazing. It is my favourite action moment in the entire film. Yeah, he bundles him. In the way that an old man would have to, right? I'm not going to fist fight this guy. He's going to yeah. fucking kill me, right? He, he uses his whatever, 300 oh, pounds of yeah. weight or however many, I don't know what that is in stone, but the guy's, he's got to be like 16 stone, aren't he, right? He just pile drives him. Like, no, that's like not the right shoulder, word. It's like shoulder charges him. No, he, shoulder bird. it's a bundle. He, he hugs him. Yeah, okay, all right. He, he well, it's an American football tackle. Him. Yeah, it's a yeah. tackle. At chest height. Off the roof. Off the roof. With a gun to his head. (laughs) Point blank. Point blank, you know, shoots him through the head as they're falling. Uses him as a human shield to land through, I guess, a canopy and then into someone's someone's front room. That's into the diner, yeah. Yeah, into the diner. I expected the charge and and the canopy even. But when he just blows the guy's head open on the way down... It's a real yes it is. moment. It is. And, and when was the last time we had that? Yeah, a, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Like that we and there's lots of little yes moments in this in this film where you're just pleased to be back with an Arnie movie that doesn't pull any punches that is brutal actually. It's yeah. kind of and because I'm not saying that I want gratuitous brutality. I don't get a lot out of that. But it it fits with what's being done to them. It fits. And so as a, a team that's winning to meet the brutality that they're being subjected to fits. It's that crucial line between realism and believability. It's mm. not realistic. No. As your Mythbusters proved. Yeah, yeah. But it is believable. Yeah. Um, and th- that whole that whole central action scene, which is that the last stand or is the last stand with Eduardo Noriega's character? I'll let you decide. It's genuinely well put together. It's fun. It's violent. But because these guys are outmatched, it's also really tense. Yeah. Which means when you get those moments of payoff, like Johnny Knoxville and his flare gun, which is great, <laughs> it, it totally relieves that tension. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're right there with them. You're mm. like, yes, do it. Yeah. But at the same time, they are outmatched because they all get almost fatally wounded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Johnny Knoxville and Louis Guzman are out of action at the end of that. Yeah, Arnie as well. He's he's quite badly wounded. Yeah, he's beat up. Mm. So then, okay, this is the bit where I think we're going to disagree. Eduardo Noriega arrives in town and is is making a burn for this ravine that they've built a bridge over. All he needs to do is get over the ravine and that's it. Yeah. Jurisdiction is, is done with. He's in a different state, a different country. And um, he's home free. He's back on his home turf. So Arnie has to make sure he doesn't get across that ravine. And they have a car chase through a cornfield. That's, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang okay. on. Hang on. Hang on. Right. Before that, Noriego speeding through. The whole point of their last stand was to try and stop him getting yeah. through the town. They they don't at all. No. He, he breezes through the town. And so whilst they've killed all of his men, they still have him to deal with. And he's still in his fast speeding car and nobody's stopping him. Arnie decides, I'm going to chase after him. He turns to the one car in town that could possibly do that. And it's Mr. Schmuck's car. The guy that we said, you know, patted Arnie and said, oh, you're blending in well. So he gets the Schmuck's car. I'm calling him a Schmuck because Arnie calls him a Schmuck. Arnie calls him a Schmuck, yeah. So he gets in that car and you said the chase through the cornfield was okay. I actually put that chase with the the moment where they're both like stopped side by side with each other and it's all quiet and they can't see each other, but they're right next to each other. We see the above shot that, and they can't see each other because of the corn and they start creeping like the car to try and find each other. I think that's excellent. It's like hide and seek with cars. It's, it's brilliant. And I, I put that scene on, on a par with it's one of my favorite car chase scenes it's not just a car chase through a city, which I get kind of get bored with. But there are two other car chases through cities I put it on a par with. One is in the first Bourne film, okay. and the other one is in Ronin. Okay. And those, because that there's a kind of smarts, smartness to the way that those chases take part. And I, I'd say that that's in this too. I'll give it points for originality and doing something visually that's interesting. Yeah. I don't think it's a patch on anything in Ronin, though. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I'd still put Ronin right up there, right? Yeah. It's still like one of my numbers. It's ones. one of the greatest yeah, yeah, chases of all time. Agreed. Um, but it, it, it ends with, I mean, a real high noon moment with the reveal of Arnie already stood on the bridge when Eduardo Noriega is making his way onto Yeah, it. so the, the chase wrecks their cars, right? So yeah. Noriega can't go over the bridge as intended. With the, the, the It's like a car-sized bridge, right? It's like a one-lane yeah. He could have just sped over the bridge in this car. That was the whole point. So it ends with a fist fight. Quite a brutal fist fight. Because uh, Eduardo I, Noriega's... I'd say... I'd call it more of a wrestle. Okay. What I like about it is we haven't seen... Well, if we take the last fist fight that we saw Arnie in, that uh, was, I would say, T3 with um, Cristiano Locken. But I, I, I was watching it and I was thinking, this is... Better than the fist fight in Commando with Bill Duke. Really? Wow. Yeah. What I like about that scene is, apart from the fact that it is a chance for him to say, okay, you're smart when you're in a hot car, but I'm 250 pounds or whatever yeah. of raw muscle. I'm going to put the smack down on you. And that's yeah. what he does. Yeah. It's a proper fist fight. And I totally bought that he was able to kick the shit out of someone 25 years younger than him. And I actually think it's probably the best fist fight of his career. Wow. Oh, you're not gonna like what I'm gonna say. I mean hearing like you <laughs> hearing you say hearing you say it, right? I I can give it to you, right? I can't say, Oh no, you're totally wrong, man, I disagree. 
I just didn't get anywhere near that feeling when I was watching it. And I can explain why. And hopefully you'll see why, yeah. why I'm coming from where I'm coming from. I'm not saying I didn't believe it. I think what it was is that it was raw and genuine and wasn't sort of contrived fancy moves. Given everything I'd seen, it's kind of what I expected. My initial feeling when they started fighting was that this is not this isn't going to be easy for Arnie, yeah. right? It's going to be tough. The moments when he gets him, I believe that okay, that's the way he would have to fight, yeah, to fight this guy. Um, the same way that he had to bundle the guy, whatever. But the thing that took it away from me, that distracted me from looking at the quality of the fight. Was blue screen. It was the blue screen or the green screen I don't, or whatever. Yeah, I don't it know just, why that looks so bad. It ruined it for me. It's like everything else in the movie was so great and they just look like they're in this CG environment and it's like, yeah. oh no. No, so, I, I agree with that. So I, I think that I was confusing that with this fight looks a bit silly. Instead of the thought, wow, this is actually just, this is a scrap. In the same way that we said, wow, like in Stay Hungry when they're, Literally, they're scrapping. There's nothing choreographed about the way that um, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's just like Jeff throwing. Bridges, Jeff Bridges yeah. is just throwing weights at the guy, and it looks yeah. looks like it's very dangerous. It feels dangerous, yeah. and because of the green screen, I didn't feel the danger that's clearly supposed to be there in the way that this fight was choreographed. It was. I give it to you because I can see when I hear you say it that it was definitely choreographed to be a scrappy fight messy not necessarily easy yeah. a bit weird painful. at times yeah really painful a bit weird like it looks like they're humping at one point and it's like and it's it's yeah it does it looks like arnie's just on top of him like trying to and he is and and he and noriega wraps his legs around him right but it's like if you're in a seriously dangerous fight you don't care how you look no, you do anything you do anything exactly and there's one point when he's got his legs like twisted in a weird way around arnie's neck that's like how is he doing He's that? It's kind trying of to snap his neck. Yeah. So what I the reason why I'm saying this is also because I could I could find think I think I could get on board with what you said, but I'm saying this also because I would forgive anybody for for looking at that fight and thinking it's silly and feeling like it's silly. I challenge you to say, is it just because of the aesthetic? Because you can see it's a green screen, so it mm. it takes you out of the movie. But also, I challenge you and say, well, is it? I'm challenging myself to say, is it just because it's scrappy? And you, what you expect from action movies is kind of like nice moves and, you know, Van Damme roundhouse kicks. And and that is that is exactly why I like it. I know, I know. I think it's another reason why I was a bit cool on the film the first time I saw it, because I think this came out around the same time as The Raid. And The Raid is the only film I've seen twice in the cinema in a 24-hour period. It's such an adrenaline shot. And that's a very highly choreographed film, but also extremely brutal. Mm. And a fight like this can't... It just can't compare to that. No, no, no. You, you shouldn't compare it because it's not the same movie, fight-wise. It, fight it's not. Exactly. But it just this wasn't as thrilling as something like The Raid was. But Arnold isn't a martial artist. And I, the, the scrappy nature of it the, and the brutality, like he is pummeling Eduardo Noriega at one point mm. with his fists. And it hurts. You know that that, yeah, like, yeah. that is going to knock you for six. And his sort of finishing move yeah. is him slamming him down yeah. onto the, the metal bridge yeah. with his head hanging over the side. And I genuinely, because I didn't remember how the movie ended, I thought he'd snapped his neck. Yes, yeah, so, so did I, like, I at that moment. I did. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. But I totally concede the point that the, especially when there have been so many stunning visual moments in the film, mm. 
the visual nature of the backdrops really is a distraction and it, and it does cheapen the film. It's funny because... Very, very unfortunate. Yeah, we reverse roles there. I know there's times when I kind of have a go at you almost sometimes. I'm like, forget about the effect, man, or don't get annoyed about the fact that you can see it CG. Just go along with it. You know CG is going to be in the film. And this is one of the first moments where I feel like we swapped roles where it really bugged me and I didn't want to... I didn't want to be taken out of the film at that moment. And I wish I could have seen it your way because it sounds like you had a lot more fun watching that scene than I did. Like if you're well, putting it right up there as better, don't than, get me wrong. better than Arnie's, some funny scenes in Commando. Like I'm all, a, all, all of the green screen. It's not better than me. the Predator fight though. Uh, no, but this is again a slightly different kind of fight. Yeah, okay, yeah. maybe. I mean, he's fighting an alien from another planet, and but there's a lot of traps and and gadgetry. Yeah, yeah. It's a different fight. I know. Yeah, the yeah. Fight. This is just two men trying to beat each no, other no. with their fists. Yeah, uh, which I like. I have to say, it would have been totally ridiculous if they moved away from the scrappy nature of the fight. And that's why I say what you're saying is a proper fist fight. I'd say it's a proper scrappy wrestle. They're not fighting as though either of them are actually trained fighters. They're just fighting like two dudes. Who, who want to kill each other, basically. See, the reason that I was so bought into that and I didn't, I tried not to let the visuals bother me yeah. is because the film had built up so much goodwill at this point yes. that I wanted to yeah, be yeah. satisfied by the film. And I was because there's something so beautifully iconic about those two men stood on the Rubicon and they've both got so much to fight for. Like, Arnie has to get him back into Arizona, and Eduardo Noriega has to get to the other side. And that's what you're saying, is that they'll do anything yeah. to win that fight. Yeah. Fight dirty, gouge out the eyes, yeah. bitch slap, anything you want. Go for the balls. Yeah. Why was there no ball punching in that scene? That, it's, it's actually surprising, given the position that they were in. Yeah, that slightly humping position, and you're right, you're very right to use the word Rubicon. They literally are on a Rubicon. You know, there's a, a he's trying to get into what is it Mexico, I guess. Or yeah, there's other elements of this scene actually that I'd be I'd be upset if we missed them, and it's to do with Arnie's character, and I believe also in part it's re-establishing part of Arnie's brand. It's saying that I'm going to play characters with integrity. He offers him five million just to look the other way and let him pass. Then ten million, and after he's beaten him some way, sometime he's like twenty million. Okay, fine, you beat me. Twenty million. You drive such a hard bargain, and it's like he doesn't get it. He doesn't get that Arnie's not accepting any cash, and he says something like, "My honor's not for sale." That's right. There are some really kind of cool moments in that negotiation and amongst the fighting where he starts off trying to convince Arnie first. And he says, no, you're under arrest. And he does a bit more convincing. And all Arnie does is get the cuffs out. And he does a bit more convincing. And instead of answering him again, he just lets the cuffs drop or something like that. I don't know if I'm getting the beats wrong, but yeah, it's yeah. just it's just really nice, cool moments that, again, I, I don't feel they, they not only speak to Arnie's character as Ray Owens... But I think they speak to the kind of character that Arnie plays well and that we want to see more of him. And that's why I'm really happy to go on the record to say this is a comeback movie for me. And it places Arnie firmly back as a believable action hero, regardless of his age, uh, because he can play that character with integrity and honour. He can play it well. Still hungry, isn't he? He's still hungry. 
and it's something that I'll I'll argue that part of the characters that he goes on to play uh, exist in Sabotage and in um, uh, Escape Plan. Did you spot the prop that harks, <laughs> harks back to another <laughs> character that Arnie played? So you're talking about in the tooling up scene, uh, Luis Guzman decides to go for some hand-to-hand weapons. Yeah. And one of them is like a, a mace. I don't remember it. No. What well, you were distracted by the fact that he has Conan the Barbarian sword. It is totally Conan's sword. Right? Of course it is. And then he doesn't just say, hey, look at this sword or anything. They don't draw attention to it in a cheesy way. But what Luis Guzman does is he adopts the pose that yeah. Arnie has on the, the poster. Stance. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And it's and they don't pay it so much attention that you're like, oh, God. It's just a shame he didn't get to impale anyone on it or hack a head off or something. It's not in it enough, right, to, to do it. Maybe in maybe in um, Last Stand 2, the next to Last Stand. Yeah. I, it did leave the, the film with the feeling that it would be nice to see uh, um, a sequel. Uh, Forrest Whitaker, the banter between him and Forrest Whitaker when they meet at the end kind of suggests that, that they could do it. It's yours. Budget? Yeah. 45 million. Wow, tiny. Not, yeah, not For a Nani movie, yeah. Yeah. His salary, I think he must have got his twins slash T3 uh, agent on the case. Because his upfront salary is only 5 million. Wow. He's taking a bit of, yeah. He's taken a bit of a risk, you know, and he's not a proven property anymore. But uh, in true twins fashion, he also got 25% of the first dollar. That means the film doesn't have to make its money back for him to start getting paid. He gets a quarter of everything. He's getting the ticket sales. Exactly. So if it had gone on to be a twins star success, he would have made 30, 40 million dollars off it. That's fantastic. Um, As it is cinematically, the worldwide gross was only thirty-eight million. Wow! So it didn't. It didn't, didn't even make its money back. So it flopped. It, it well, yes, it was a disappointment. That doesn't mean it, it's a bad movie. It absolutely not. Absolutely not. It did quite well on Blu-ray, and I think it's uh, it's had a bit of a run on. on so Netflix would Arnie like still that. be making money off of our Blu-ray purchases or rents? Any or subsidiaries? Yeah, off yeah, this yeah, film. Absolutely. So again, it's a smart deal, and for someone like Arnie. It's. It actually shows that he acknowledges as a, as an actor, as an as a businessman. I know I'm not the same property I used to be, but I'm not a nobody either. So if you want me in this movie, you give me this deal. And also, it's very rare these days that you get the 25 million, 30 million paydays. It doesn't happen anymore, does it? Up front, it, it does, but very rarely. Um, you tend like to as part find of a franchise, you might like the fast. Exactly. the fast crew might have done that. Or well, no, it what was Vin like, Diesel getting for Fast Seven? Like Christian Bale was offered an obscene amount of money to do a fourth Batman movie, so it tends to be that kind of deal. Um, you have to say though, for a man who's not headlined a film in ten years, he still made made about eight nine million dollars off of this. So yeah, and he doesn't need it either. Pretty good. I think he's probably quite sensible with his cash. Well, sensible enough that he can probably be frivolous and frivolous and not feel it. It's your numbers. So uh, we've said a few of the lines as we've gone along. Are there any others you want to draw attention to? Indeed, there are. So one of the bad guys ends up hiding out. Basically, he's trying to um, get the drop on Arnie. I think it is actually uh-huh. um, by hiding in the front room of this old lady she looks like she's actually 
sat there like a museum piece. It looks like some kind of... <laughs> it does look like an Old West, like, over-ordained cushions. It looks like yeah. a tea room or whatever, something she, like yeah, that. Yeah, she's like know. an old maid. Yeah. She should be there, like, darning something. Exactly. Yeah, perfect. And and she's just sat there, whatever. And <laughs> the guy's out the window. I think he says something, shut up, old lady, or whatever. And, you know, he's not thinking that she's a threat in any way. And he's watching Arnie kind of pass by the window like he's going to get the drop on him. And she, she whips out a shotgun. <laughs> just like, kablam! She, she just happens to be sitting on it, right? Like near it. And yeah, she she blows him away. He falls through the window. And Arnie turns around shocked, right? He, he does a little double take like, what the hell? Mrs. Salazar? Sheriff? <laughs> so surprised. And he's looking at his look. He's like, this is another moment that puts Arnie on the map as a, as a good actor. Just, and he just goes, obliged. Like, it's so lovely. It's such a nice moment. But I like the bit after that where she goes, put the herd on him, Ray. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And he runs off. Okay, like a little, <laughs> like a schoolboy. Like, okay, Mrs. Salazar. But that is, that's a classic Western thing of like. It is. The, if the town folk have guns, at the last stand, at the showdown. It's great. You get them to help out. Open range ends with a very similar sequence. Yeah, and there's something that warms my heart that. Arnie's come back. He actually ends up doing his first proper Western, albeit a modernised version of a Western. Yeah, for sure. It's lovely. It really is. Yeah, perfect. And I don't really care that the film failed, and I'm happy he's getting his eight million or whatever he gets out of it in the end. I I just would have loved if he'd actually had a cowboy hat on the bridge at the end. I'd just say it's too much. Yeah. The reveal, you know, the camera moving behind Eduardo Noriega to reveal that he's there waiting for And there's even a kind of good, the bad, and the ugly... Yeah, if they had him have a hat as part of his outfit, that you know he doesn't wear it all the time, but he's taking on Mm -hmm. and off every so often. That would be that would work. But I think, and I'm not sure if this is true or not. I don't think Arnie really looks good in a cowboy hat. And you hush your mouth. Yeah, I'm sorry. Hush your dirty. I'm sorry, and I think that that might have been a, a a decision, like a wardrobe decision, not to. Well, have him we'll come hat. back to that when we do sabotage. We certainly will. I mean, he doesn't look good in a cowboy hat. In the showdown with Eduardo Noriega. Yeah. You fucked up my car. Yeah. You fucked up my day off. Yeah, that's great. It's a great line. And uh, when he's put the smack down on him and he's, he's dragging him back into town, you make us immigrants look bad. Yeah. Which is weird because he's called Ray Owens. Yeah. And that's the only point that there's a reference to him being an immigrant. It would have been written in then, like that day to the scene yeah, or... Maybe. Or it, I, I, it couldn't have been in the original script that was intended for Liam Neeson, right? Um, I, I said it before, but I like the follow-up line. Arnie says to Noriega, my honour's not for sale when he's eventually giving him, offering 20 million. And I love Noriega's response. He, this is just the way, it's the tone he uses in the delivery when he says, Fuck your honor! Like, yeah. He's just so <laughs> outraged. He's like, why can't I buy you? Because that's how he's got everything in his life, right? Yeah, he's yeah, he's bought his release, his escape even, sorry, and everything. And he's he's a spoiled kid, basically. Luis Guzman, I think, has his own version of Get to the Chapa in Go this. Or oh, Jamie Alec, it's not Jamie Alexander. Sorry, you have to do it. You have to do it in Luis Guzman voice with with the lisp and everything. So, <laughs> Luis Guzman is is a favorite of Ben and mine. No, I can't say that. How do we? 
Yeah, uh, if you don't know who we're talking about, he is in a bunch of Steven Soderbergh movies, probably most notably Out of Sight. He's one of the two gay uh, convicts that escapes at the same time as George Clooney and Ving Rhames. He's, he's, he's just great. He's just one of those guys. That's, he's in Carlito's way. Yeah, when you see him, you go, ah, oh, that guy, you know, you yeah. will recognise him if you've seen movies. Have you seen the he's, movies? Yeah. He's probably got about 200 film credits. Yeah, he's, and, and, and he's just great. He's a great presence and he's a character. He's always a character. Yeah. Um, and great comedian as well, I'd say. Great comic yeah. actor as well. He's done a lot of really good comedies. There's a moment when he's behind the car. They're waiting for the last stand to start, basically. I think it's she's a, a waitress in the diner and she's she's yeah. coming back into into town like from having got something or whatever. She doesn't have a clue that this is going on. She went to get milk. Yeah, that was Cause, it. Because Harry Dean Stanton never turned up with the milk because yeah, he had his head blown off. Yeah, he died. That was phenomenal the way he died. Right? He just flies off. That's <laughs> yeah, amazing. Like the bullet literally carries him off the tractor with his head, yeah. by his head. And so she's innocently coming back into town and he's, she's saying, get down, get, you know. Get away, hide. He's trying to convince her. To... Not, I'm not hearing. No, it's hard to I'm do. Not hearing Luis Guzman. I'll try and do it when he says, "Get to the, <laughs> get to the diner, get to, get to the diner." It's, it's terrible. I can't do it. Mira, get to. I can't do it. Get to the, get to the diner. I can't do it. It's not... We need Kevin Spacey here. I bet Kevin Spacey can do a good Luis Guzman. I bet, of course, he can. We've said all the other lines. The blood and death line is great. Uh, the 72-year-old with the cheese and bacon is great. But that's it. Ranking. Completely forgot about that. Now, totally forgot that we'd be doing this. There's a danger here to overstate the quality of this film. Yeah, because we're so happy on his back, right? It, I was, it I was it. To- yeah. totally satisfied by it. Or as John Malkovich would say... Yes, yes, yeah. I didn't understand what you said when you said it the first time. Actually, yeah. I was when you say was, it like Malkovich, it makes more sense. So satisfied by this movie, um, but it's a it's it's a high three star, low four star movie. I think it's not a five star movie. However, contextually, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So given the stage we're at in this podcast, it's going into the top ten. Yeah. I, I want to put it in my top 10. I'm not sure I can. Yeah. So my number 10 movie is Terminator 3. Mm. And this is a better film than Terminator 3. The trouble that I have there is number 9 is Conan the Barbarian. And number 8 is Twins. And I want to put it above Twins. But I can't in good faith say it's a better film than Conan the Barbarian. However, mm. when I have a dilemma like this... I simply think about my love for Arnie. Yeah. <laughs> I was so happy with everything that he did in this film. I was so happy to see some genuinely proficient action filmmaking, some badass moments from him that I am going to put it above Twins. So it's just underneath Commando and above Twins, which puts it, it's my number eight Arnie movie. Mm. Guess what? What? It's also my number eight Arnie movie. Okay. Um, but it, what it's done is it, it pushes down Red Heat, Commando and Conan, which are yeah. 9, 10, 11 for me. Um, yeah. But I couldn't in good faith put it above Running Man, Twins, Predator, all of those guys. But right, but okay. I, I for sure will watch this film again over Red Heat, over Commando, over Conan, 
T3 and the rest. I, I will. I will definitely take anybody's point that it's not a better movie than Conan, maybe. Conan is such a an outlier. It's such a unique kind of film. Yeah. Uh, it belongs in I... my top 10, but I've just pushed it out. I've just pushed well, it down to 11 because of Last Dance. still in there for me. It's yeah. just in at number 10. But it, I, for Conan fans, because I know they're rabid, it, I, I am not making a statement about the quality of those no, two no, films. No. I'm just saying I had so much fun with this film and I was wholly satisfied by it. Yeah. Um, that for this late stage career, it was really nice, especially for a film that I'd already seen and forgotten largely. It was so nice to see Arnie doing everything that we like from him again and also doing a couple of things that we hadn't really seen him do. I mean, jumping off a roof and blowing a guy's face off with the monster. It, that's just, yeah. that's manna from heaven for me. Yeah, yeah. So that was The Last Stand. Massive recommendation from both of us, I think. What is next on the list? Alexander Bowles. I believe it's Escape Plan. Oh, okay, good. Uh, I still haven't seen all of Escape Plan. I've only seen about the first 45 minutes. So join us for that. Until next time, you fucked up my day off. Fuck your Anna! Facebook. Forward slash The Arnithology. Twitter. At The Arnithology. Email. The Arnithology at gmail.com. Website www.arnithology.com Get in touch. <laughs>